Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this show. We're glad that you joined us for what I think is going to be a very special edition, uh, primarily because we have with us one of uh, the best sportscasters and best boxing announcers that I know of uh, and uh, one of my best friends over the last 30-some years, and that would be the great Barry Tompkins. He's going to share lots of great memories, uh, and we're going to chat about the sport of boxing as well. We also have your questions, which we will answer uh, today and I've got a flashback uh, from my early days in broadcasting to share with you as well. To help me do all that, my good friend and partner Trip Mitchell. Trip, how are you today? Al, I am great, and it is so exciting to turn on the tube a couple nights of the week, and we've got live boxing. You must be in seventh heaven. Yeah, very nice to see it back again. Obviously, and they're doing their very level-headed best to do it under safe conditions and. Uh, And so far, there's been a couple of cases where they had to actually scrap matches because people tested positive for COVID-19. But that demonstrates uh, uh, how uh, careful they've been in uh, in doing this. And so those matches have gone on. And uh, it's been interesting, you know, I think, to see the way they have proceeded, you know, we weren't sure how boxing would come back. All of the boxing so far has been done on ESPN with uh, top-ranked boxing doing the promoting and all fights from Las Vegas. And they have been interesting because the first card they came out of the box with, we had Shakur Stevenson on it, who of course is a, a up and up and coming star in the sport of boxing already a champion. That card was uneven because they didn't get as many competitive matches as they wanted. And, of course, that often happens in cards that you promote. Uh, But since then, kind of a pattern has been emerging. And that is we have seen fights, competitive fights, several upsets, that which fans love to see because it shows you that, you know, the A and B side equation of things doesn't always take over. Um, And the, the boxing has been fun to watch. And I think that's what they're kind of shooting for. And that's what I think boxing promoters are shooting for. We understand we're not necessarily going to see the, the A versus A matchup right away in boxing. Uh, but we are hopefully going to see as others jump on board, as uh, PBC jumps on board and uh, uh, Eddie Hearn with his group and the different other platforms like um, Zone and uh, Showtime uh, and uh, Fox jump on board that we're going to see competitive, interesting matches as we show full cards of boxing. And I think that's what fans really want to see. So, Is it tough? By the way, how tough is it? How tough is it on, you know, companies like Top Rank and the other promotion companies not to have fans in the building? If a fight is costs X dollars to do, typically what percent is that gate compared to the TV money? Well, it, it does it does eliminate a, a part of your revenue, obviously. And that's part of the reason why uh, I mentioned you, you won't necessarily see some of the fights that require uh, more money to pay the fighters. Uh, and so it is an issue. And, and for now, they're going to have to carefully calculate what they can do based on the money they get 
from the television side for revenue and how they can best handle that. And of course, then there are things like international sales of the broadcast that help out as well, not just your, your single provider that you may do like, uh, you know, uh, them doing it for ESPN. There's also foreign sales that they figure into it. So that's the job of a promoter at this point. And it is, it, it can be a tricky one uh, to do that as we get through this period. So it'll be interesting to see what, what transpires. Now, uh, this show today is uh, one that uh, features a fine broadcaster in Barry Tompkins. So I thought uh, for my flashback, it would be good to include that. So here is my flashback. In the early 1980s, probably around 1981, uh, we were doing a show on the Top Rank Boxing Series from Worcester, Massachusetts. Sal Marciano was my partner at that time uh, doing the play-by-play. And we would, uh, at our custom at the end of the show was we would come on camera uh, to close the show. And in this case, we <clears throat> came on camera from an empty building in Worcester, Massachusetts, because the way the fights had gone, the, fan, the, the, the fights were all done, uh, and we had pre-taped the, uh, the main event, and the fans were gone. So it was just us in an empty building. And the practice was to come to us. We talked about the fights. And then when they got <clears throat> off camera of us, they would put up a graphic of Sal talking about the next week's show. And we were essentially all done talking on camera. On this particular broadcast, for some reason, when they went to the uh, graphic of Sal talking about the uh, next week's fight, I assumed I was done. So I took my microphone off and I started to get up to leave. And for some reason, they came back to us on camera just in time to catch me leaving my seat. <laughs> and Sal Marciano was saying, and next week we'll be in Atlantic City and that's Al getting a head start. <laughs> so I learned from that moment on early in my broadcasting career, don't go anywhere. It's better to just stay where you are under all circumstances. So um, I've worked, that's an example of me working with a very witty play-by-play uh, -play man. And no one defines wit uh, and charm any more than the gentleman that we're just about to hear from. Uh, Barry Tompkins has been a multi-sport uh, broadcaster for many, many years. And he is one of the most versatile sportscasters on earth. But in the course of that career, he's made a special mark on the sport of boxing. He is in fact a member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame because of what he's done in the world of boxing. He currently is the play-by-play uh, -play announcer on the Showbox series on Showtime and has spent eight years working with me on the ESPN series. And prior to that was the voice of HBO boxing when they, in the eighties, uh, when they were uh, uh, starting to put on all those great championship matches. And so here is my visit with my good friend, Barry Tompkins. So Barry, you and I have had a journey in the world of boxing uh, that extends way back to the late eighties when yeah. we, joined forces at ESPN, but that was hardly your beginning in boxing. Um, you started out with HBO before that. And even before that, if I'm not mistaken, one of your first 
uh, jobs was at the Olympics doing boxing. Am I correct? Yeah, I was at NBC in New York at the time, and they had the radio rights to the Olympics. And so it was actually Jim Simpson and I were the mm. talent for the whole Olympics, for everything. Wow. Well, one day we just got together and Jim said, okay, I'll do swimming and diving. I said, I'll do track and field. He said, I'll do heptathlon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll do, and it got down, finally got down to, there was boxing and I think field hockey, you know, <laughs> and so I said, I'll take boxing. And that's really how it all, you know, how it all started. And I, you know, I've told you this before, but one of my reasons for choosing boxing was two guys, I ought to be able to memorize the names of two guys. And it's, if you know your left from your right, you can do boxing, right? We've made a career out of that. I think you made a wise choice. And had you made the other choice, you would have been the premier field hockey announcer in all, if for 40 years. And really big in Pakistan and Bangladesh. You, you missed your calling because I could see you having a big following there, which you may have due to boxing in any case. Um, yeah, that was, so that was your beginning. You, uh, you, you, were, uh, you became the voice of boxing on HBO. And uh, that was when that network, it's funny, I, I just, I'm doing, doing research for this book I'm working on. I went back and looked at, uh, I found a fight that Eddie Mustafa Muhammad was in, who's the book I'm working on. He was on HBO very early, and Don Dunphy did the call along with Floyd Patterson. And it wasn't, he, he wasn't even in a major match. And that was way before you got with them. And then all of a sudden, they were doing major matches. They were really a player in boxing, and that coincided with you joining them. Yeah, you know what was really interesting is I was in, it, it all came about, I was doing an event in Moscow, and uh, it was the year before the 1980 Olympics, which we, the United States boycotted, but the year before the Olympics, they had a, what amounted to a rehearsal for the Olympic Games, where what used to be their national championships up to that point, they invited 105 countries. So it was basically the Olympic Games a year prior to the Olympic Games. So Bob Wessler, who I know you know, was a yeah. big broadcast guru. He had been at CBS as the president of CBS Sports. And he put together this group of commentators and producers and directors. And we all went over to Moscow and we did, it was called Spartakiad, which is the, their national games. And uh, one of the guys, one of the talent was Marty Glickman. And Marty wow. asked me one day, we were having dinner, you know, just very innocently. And Marty said, uh, listen, uh, if you're not doing anything, we're, we're, I'm doing stuff for this little cable thing. And we're looking for somebody to do some things on the West Coast. Are you interested? I said, of course, absolutely interested. And yeah, we never say no, do we? We never say never. no. That's my mantra. If anybody ever asks you, have you done <laughs> this before? There is only one answer. Yes. Right. And you figure it out. Uh, so I said yes, of course, to Marty. And I truly, I had never heard of HBO. I didn't know what HBO was. You know, cable television was absolutely in its infancy. And out here on the left coast, there was no cable television. And uh, my very first event for them, they called me a couple weeks after I got back and they asked me to do an event in Hawaii. Uh, and it was a gymnastics event. And then from there, it segued into the, uh, and this is kind of an interesting story too, it segued into the National Collegiate Boxing Championships. They were at the Air Force Academy. And Ray Leonard and I were the hosts. And Don Dunphy and Larry Merchant did the blow by blow in color. And they actually got into a fight and not, not far from a fist fight. Wow. During the broadcast, this, this is no joke. 
And I could, all Ray and I, we were way out in East Jesus, you know, somewhere. And all you could hear is the rattling of the headphones being thrown <laughs> down on the counter. And I look over ringside and they're both standing up, you know, in each other's grill. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, what do we do here, you know? And as it turned out, um, that was, I, after that, I replaced Don Dumpy, who was one of my childhood heroes. I mean, yeah. I grew up just loving Don Dumpy. So yeah, Don's a great very, guy. Very bittersweet. Very bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, that had to be very weird. Very, yeah, completely. And and as we both work with his son now, who's a great yeah. friend. And yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, many nights with the transistor radio pressed to my ears. Sure. Don Duffy called fights, so he was he was God, you know. Yeah, and that's how you stepped into to do the play-by-play -play at yeah. uh, HBO, and yeah. you had you had a wonderful run there and uh, ushered in the Mike Tyson era with the great line. Uh, what was the line again? Everybody asked me. I don't remember any of you them. I think it was. Uh, uh, we have a new era or something. Yeah, it's the beginning of a new era. That was yeah. it, I think. Yeah. Well, you and I. The one thing you got you you have in common, we have in common. Uh, there are many things, I hope. I was just going to uh, say, one amongst many. Yeah, there are other things. But one of the things we have in common is we are not, uh, um, we don't, we're not tagline people. We don't think of taglines that much. You know, you're, now you would be more likely to do it as a play-by-play -play announcer, but I could, I guess, it also, and I've done play-by-play. -play. We're just, we're not geared that way, are we? No, no. And I just, honestly, I don't know how you can. Now, one of the people I respect more than anybody else is Vin Scully. Mm -hmm. And Vinny did that. Vinny would, would think he was of every personality and yeah. not so much word for word what he was going to say, but kind of a comment. He had a feeling. What yeah. he was going to say. I, I, I could never do that. I, yeah. You know, I just, I, I want it to be spontaneous, you know, because you're calling, and you know, you've done this. Sure. You're calling the event, and then when there's a big moment, you want to play the moment, and then let it, let the crowd yeah. play up. So I, I just don't think it's the kind of thing you can plan, or maybe it's just me. I'm just not good enough. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting, and everybody has their own approach and their own style to it. And boxing became, you, of course, are a great generalist in terms of doing all sports. You've done so many and done them well. Uh, and But boxing, it became something that ultimately got you into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, which, you know, the highest honor. And so you were able to focus on that sport while you did everything else. Uh, d were you a little surprised in some ways that boxing took on such an important role in your career? Yeah, you know, it's, what's really interesting is for, for years, I was the football and basketball guy. Yeah. You know, people thought of me as Pac-10, then the Pac-10, right. now Pac-12, as a football and basketball guy. Then I started doing a lot of tennis. And so mm -hmm. I became the tennis guy. You know, and then I started doing boxing more and more. I was always doing boxing all through those times, but more and more I started doing boxing and then I became the boxing guy. You know how that is. If you do yes. enough, but people relate, relate you to that sport. And that's what kind of happened for me with boxing. You know, I, I, I always kid uh, that I'm in three halls of fame. One being the, as you mentioned, the International Boxing Hall of Fame with you. Uh, the other is the, the San Francisco Jewish Sports Hall of Fame, and the other one is my high school. So I'm in three halls of fame, and I always say my high school, I amassed about a 2.5 grade point average. The Jewish Hall of Fame, my Irish Catholic wife knows more about Judaism than I do. <laughs> and, and the Boxing Hall of Fame, I've never been in a fight in my life, even on a playground. 
know, so those are my qualifications. <laughs> you just, you know, congratulations. You just negated your life. That was exactly. amazing. My life is meaningless. What can uh, I you know, I, <laughs> I feel like I now want to inject you with self-esteem or something. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that is, that is pretty crazy. <laughs> oh God. Now you, along the way, you've, uh, of course, you've covered great fighters and you've, you've covered colorful situations. Is it, is boxing, is part of the lure of boxing the fact that you never know what is going to happen, right? It just, just when you think you've figured out what mostly can happen, something wacky does. Absolutely. And I, I don't know that that could be said about every sport. I think there's three yeah. things about boxing. One of them is that. The other is that, and you and I have talked about this, Box, I love talking to boxers. Yes, They're the yes. nicest people, and you ask them a question, and they actually look you in the eye and give you yes. an answer. It's not, we play them one at a time, you know. You don't mm -hmm. get that kind of stuff. And the other thing about boxing that I really like is that at, at its highest level, you have to be 100%. You can't be 96 or 97. You'll lose. And I think that's, the, to the best of my knowledge, that's the only sport yeah. that you can make that statement about, you know. And then, of course, you know, the final thing is, and again, we've both been around this, there's nothing like a really big fight. No, I no. mean, it just, there's no event in sports, in my opinion, like it. Yeah, the excitement level is, is staggering when you're there just before that bell and when it's going to ring that, you know, is, is amazing. You and I spent eight years together on the Top Rank Boxing Series, which was a fascinating series on so many levels. And one of the things that made it fascinating is it was good boxing, really good boxing that didn't always, it was more like AAA baseball. It was really good. Didn't always, it did often. And now I've been going back and looking at it. We often had championship fights and we often had fighters like James Tony and, um, you know, name fighters. Uh, and we had good, really good fights, but we were just, but a lot of the fights were just at the level where you were going to places that didn't always have boxing and, there was always the unknown of what kind of nutty thing could happen to us. Yeah, and of course, nutty also included us. Yes, know? that's true, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And, unfortunately. And, that, and that was the thing too, and that's another thing I think about broadcasting. People always ask me, you know, why I still do it, and I don't, you know, I don't really have to do it, but I'm 80 years old and I still like, I like the crews. I like being like, mm -hmm. our crew at Showtime is the best crew I've ever worked yeah. with, ever. You know, I, and I thoroughly enjoy everybody. And I'm not just talking about the talent. I like the crew guys. I like the camera guys. I like the audio guys. I like the A2. You know, I like all, all those kinds of people. And that, for me, is really what makes it. And doing the ESPN series, it was you and I and our producer and director. And we all came from, we came from four different parts of the country. Right. And, and we would hook up. And it was like, remember, we used to use the analogy. It was, we were kind of like the Lone Ranger and Tonto, you know, riding into town, shooting the town up. And then people would say, who were those guys? <laughs> who was that, you know, who was that best man? Who was that best man? Yeah. And I think, honestly, as much as I thought, I, I actually felt, we did a pretty good product at ESPN. Yeah, I agree. Honest. And and I think you and I have talked about this, and I don't know if, if we've ever been public about it, but I think it was way ahead of its time because that now is what ESPN wants. You know, we yeah, scratched we, through a lot of fights, you know, and we always call the fight. Yes. But we had a ton of fun doing it, you know, and I think people related to that. Yeah, we did. We injected some humor into it without demeaning the fighters in any way, shape, or form. Most of that was self-inflicted self, uh, self uh, 
deprecating great oh. humor. Uh, and but we we did have fun, and I think you know we were on it was forty some weeks a year, so yeah. it was you had to kind of make it uh, that way. I think to in order for people to dig it, because you weren't just coming on once in a while and, and all the rest of it. So uh, I agree, and and you are right. Some of that humor that we included, they didn't really understand at the time, uh, right. and and as you say now they want that. Though I might, I'm going to really sound bad in saying this, ours wasn't quite as sophomoric as some of the humor that's presented now. <laughs> if I may be so bold, not that we were an old coward, but I, I think it wasn't quite as sophomoric. Yeah, no, I, I, it, we didn't do pie in the face stuff, but no, we were. <laughs> and, and we didn't yell at each other either, which is what happens. Right. Now. That's also another thing of, of modern sportscasting. Now, you uh, have been on the Showbox series on uh, on Showtime uh, for years now, working with Steve Farhood, who, of course, is the creme de la creme of human beings and boxing announcers. Yes. Yes. Uh, and the series itself is a great one. And, and, and it, you know, it, it, you coming on there added another rich layer to it. Um, it's got to, it's it's fun doing that series, isn't it? I love that series, and I can honestly say, and you and I had a lot of fun at ESPN. Yes, I can honestly tell you, this is the most fun I've had mm -hmm. in, in doing this series. And it starts at the top. It starts with our guy Gordon Hall. Yes, uh, he's the best boss I've ever had, best guy I've ever worked for, and he cares passionately about the product and about the people who work for it. You know, and a good example is. During this time, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, I hear from Gordon at least once a week, you know, just saying, hey, how you doing? What's up? How's Joan? How's the family? How's everything? You know, just touching base. And that that's so Gordon, you know, he does it all yeah. the time. So it starts with him. And then, of course, you know, two of my, and I mean this sincerely, two of my closest friends in life are Al Bernstein and Steve Farhood. I, this is not a joke. Al Bernstein and Steve Farhood. When you get to work with people that you care about so much, you know, it's, it's, I really look forward to it, you know, and, and makes uh, it a fun experience. It, it really does. And, and the product is good, you know, yeah. those shows have been on, they've been on, this is, I think the 19th year. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been there right from the get go. Uh, yeah, 40 some champions have started on Showbox. Oh, there was yeah, yeah. 90 something, I think, or maybe even more than so, that. Okay, I, I'm not sure the number, Big but it's number. a lot. Steve would have this, see, and I'm not He would know this by heart, but we don't, yeah. you know. We can I was, <laughs> when people call me up and they want me to answer something, uh, even now, a lot of times when we're at the Showtime Championship and Steve's there doing other functions, they'll ask me a question. I'll say, could you just go ask a real boxing expert like Steve Farhood? He'll know it, you know. He'll know the answer <laughs> yeah. to that, which he I don't know. He knows everything. <laughs> um, yes, and, you've, and, you, and that series has produced a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of excitement. You... By the way, we caught a glimpse of running through a guest appearance of your wife, Joan Ryan, as, uh -huh. we, as she, we were looking. And I, I want to mention to people that if they don't know, your wife is one of the premier sports writers and writers, period, in America, and just wrote a, a terrific book about team chemistry, which doesn't have to do with boxing so much, although there's, there are teams in boxing getting fighters together. And that book is doing real well, isn't it? Yeah, it's starting to get traction. It's obviously a difficult time to sell a book with yeah. the pandemic and with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter and bookstores are closed. You can't make appearances, you know. So it's been it's been difficult to get traction. But uh, 
she she is getting some traction with the book and and, I, and i'm not saying this because she's my wife and she is an excellent writer but it's really good yeah. it's really good and there's stuff in there has not been heard before and she absolutely can prove that there is definitively a thing called team chemistry yeah a lot of the, a lot of the analytical people would argue that so it's yeah, good. That's, even that is fascinating to do a, a book on that now because we live in this age of numbers and and how that you guide everything you do by that and yet uh, the human element is you know plays a role in all this, doesn't it? Oh, no question about it. I mean, it you know it's it does affect team performance and that's all in the book. And she has countless story after story after story. Yeah. What I really like about the book, and I, I know. Like I said, obviously it's my wife, and I'm going to say yes, it's it's good. But even re removing myself from that, it it really is. And what she does really well is balance the science with anecdotal stories that prove the science. Oh, that's great! I like that. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good read. It really is. It's a good. That's read. good, Joan Ryan. What's the title again? The title is Intangibles. Intangible. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, very 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 good work by her. She's done wonderful work. You've covered the biggest names in boxing, um, announced their fights. Um, what are a couple of them that you found so compelling as, um, as personalities or as uh, just boxing and, and public figures? Well, obviously, I have to start with Ray Leonard because yeah. he was my color commentator for 10 years at, or nine years at, at HBO while he was fighting too mm -hmm. you know so he he really is i mean I, I he's like a little little he's 64 years old now but like a little brother to me he really is we we stay in touch have stayed in touch all through the years and i really care about the guy and he's a really good person and a guy who handles fame as well as anybody i've ever seen and uh, somebody was just asking me about this the other day they were talking about the marvin Hagler ray leonard fight you know and how dip, was that difficult for me to call because of my relationship with Ray? And it, and it was, but I had a relationship with Marvin also, who was one of my sure. favorites. Yeah. And totally opposite guys. And I yes. think it made the fight what it, what it was. And that's why people still talk about it to this day, I think. Sure. You know, I've always said that Marvin will never get his just due as what a great middleweight he was. He's in my top 10, uh, you know. And oh, probably, definitely. Maybe even top five, you know. Yeah. Um, but because of that fight, you know, it's really, it's, it's really a shame. So those are two of my, two of my absolute favorite guys, Mike Tyson, of course, you know, I could probably do an hour and a half on Mike Tyson yeah. and, and I, I like him and I've always liked him. Even during the turbulent times, you felt a certain, you were, you always. felt, and you dealt with them a lot during that time. A lot, a lot. And, uh, you know, he was always, I, I know everything that he was and could be, um, but I never, he was never that way with mm -hmm. me, you know, and, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he, he's a shrink's dream. <laughs> I mean, he could spend weeks and months on the couch, you know, but, but I find him to be an interesting guy and he's a very smart guy and he's a yeah. great historian of the sport of boxing. I really enjoyed, I used to enjoy talking with him before fights, although we would never talk about the fight. I, that was another yeah. thing. Yeah interesting about him never never wanted to talk about the fight but uh i, I enjoy talking about, about boxing history which he really knew he always yeah. used to say his favorite fighter was benny leonard and benny leonard well, that's pretty amazing right and he knew all about him how he and he was a lightweight fighter, feather, featherweight 
you know, so yeah, I, I do. I have, I still have a soft spot for Mike Tyson. Wow. So boxing coming back and it's beginning to do so and uh, we'll continue and you and I'll be back in action pretty soon with our, with our, our fights. And this, I guess this speaks to all sports, but it's specifically about boxing. Uh, when the sport returns, people have this great, and already there's been several matches and uh, uh, Top Rank put some fights on ESPN and, um, and they've, I think, been uh, certainly highly watched, I'm sure. And people are anxious to get the sport back. Do you feel like people will understand that the sport probably will need a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a ramping up period to get exactly where it was early in the year where it was very good and the, and the boxing was excellent. Yes. I, yeah, I do think there will be that period that people are going to have to, you know, the conversation is certainly going to turn to what fights would you like to see? Right. You know, and, um, and some of those fights won't be possible uh, until there's fans. Well, I think that too. And plus, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the zone, to be really honest with you. You know, they've laid Good off point. a lot of people. There's some question about uh, what are they, what form is it going to take? You know, I think that's one of the problems right now with our sport is there's a lot of never the twain going on. You know, right. ESPN has its guys, you know, Golden Boy has its people. The Zone has its people. Fox has its people, although we share people with Fox. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's starting to be, you know, I'm with this guy, so you can't be with this guy. That This fight isn't going to happen because I'm over here, you know. And I, I would like to see some of that come a little bit closer together. I, I don't know if it could happen. I, I probably is just... We're seeing some evidence of it, though. I mean, Top Rank is working with PBC a little bit, and yes. there's talk. There's talk of of Terence Crawford crossing over to fight yes. a, one of the one of the uh, the other fighters, which hopefully will happen. And so, um, in in a lot of ways, we're hopeful that that that, that can be the case. Before yeah. I let you go, um, you have uh, you know stood the test of time. You know, you've been broadcasting for a long time. Um, you don't hit you don't hit 55 years of age like you, uh, you know, without <laughs> without you are 55, aren't you? Yes, sure. around. Okay. You I look 55. Time, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've been at this for a long time and you've and you've you've gone through a number of different periods of broadcasting. Have you had a set philosophy that you feel suits you? And have you tinkered with it at all over the years? Well, I tinker with it only in the sense that I, I try not to make references from the 80s or 90s right. or even up to 2000. Right. Uh, our audience, a lot of it wasn't born. You mm -hmm. know? So I, and I never want to make a reference to, boy, those were the days. Right. You know, I don't. I think these are the days, you know. Sure. Uh, and as, as the philosophy of broadcasting, I, I got it from the guy that, that – taught me everything I know about broadcasting. He was a very guy, Don Klein. He did 49ers for a long time and did baseball for a long time. Uh, and he always used to tell me, uh, if you do your job right, you're like the referee. At the end of the game, nobody notices you. Mm. you know, and that's kind of already always been my philosophy. You know, um, you're not bigger than the game. You're not bigger than the fight. You're not bigger than the event that you're covering. Uh, the people that are playing it or fighting those are the people, that's where the spotlight should be. Not on you. I've, I've always 
critics, uh, critics of the kind of thing that you and I do, to me, have always boggled my mind. And I say that, generally speaking, I've had pretty good press, except, of course, for Rudy Barsky. <laughs> you know? What? For some reason, he didn't like you. I don't get it. How can someone not like you? Man, I, I, yeah, I mean, he, he wanted my firstborn. I don't know what it, <laughs> you know. And there were times he could have had her, yeah. But, you know, why? Why are, you know, what we do, half the people are going to love you, half the people are going to yeah. hate you. So right. just because there's one guy that happens to own a television set and a typewriter computer, right. um, you know, he's all of a sudden, he, your career is in his hands. Yeah, in some ways. Back then, when the, that was the case, now, of course, not so much. But you, as you point out, you've received much more uh, positive coverage than, than negative. And that thing you just talked about, you know, is, uh, is the one topic in life that fascinates me the most. And that is that that approach to broadcasting, which I share with you, uh, is... It doesn't, it, the interesting thing is somebody might be listening to this interview and saying, wait, aren't you guys contradicting yourself? Didn't you say that when you worked together, you had some fun and you did a little humor? Yes, but we concentrated on the event we were doing. We didn't sit there and then go off and have a discussion about whatever. We didn't, we didn't do those kinds of things. And so you can still have a personality and people can still say, wow, I like what that guy's saying or, or he's got a good sense of humor without trying to take it to you. I, I tell the story all the time uh, about Muhammad Ali or, you know, Muhammad or uh, Coward Cosell in the second fight with Leon Spinks when Ali was fighting Leon Spinks. In round 14, he spent the entire round reading the lyrics to Bob Dylan's Forever Young. Now, I think that was, in my humble opinion, that's, you know, the most egregious form of self-aggrandizement that you could possibly do. These two men are fighting and you're calling attention to yourself by reading this, these song lyrics. Yeah. You know, yeah. So no, I, I just don't get that, you know. And now, unfortunately, in our, in our world, it is more the norm. Yeah, it is. I, you know, it, I, I never thought of myself or any of our peers as a star you know we're chroniclers of the event you know what i mean I, I i you know one of my philosophies is you go you prepare the best way you know how yeah. you go on the air you do the show the best way you know how and then it's where we're going to eat and what time is my flight <laughs> this is true and fine dining it, by the way, I should tell everyone, is one of the great talents of Barry Tompkins. You could be in Missoula, Montana, and I've been with him in Missoula, yes. Montana, yes. and this man will find a restaurant. Now, it might be a diner. Uh, it, might, it might not, you know, it doesn't have to be um, uh, the most, the greatest French cuisine that was ever created. He's going to find it. You have a sixth sense for this. But when we are in cities that have fine dining, you are very good at, uh, at uncovering them. And, and having other people spend money, right? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> most of us that have worked with Barry, we have had to take second jobs. I had a paper route for a while that, you know. Um, but it's got, because, a nice given, it's got a nice given piano lessons every now and then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, funny. Barry, you are a delight, and you are uh, one of the best that's ever done uh, broadcasting, period. And uh, for a boxing fans, since this show concentrates on boxing, they have known you through 
several incarnations of shows and all the rest, and um, uh, and nobody does it better than you, my friend. I appreciate it a lot, and you know you're a big part of that, Al. And uh, I love you, man. <laughs> I love you too, and uh, I hope that uh, uh, I hope that everybody uh, will be able to watch Barry as he comes back on Showbox. Uh, that'll be back pretty soon, as will our Showtime Championship boxing shows. And uh, we'll be back uh, doing more boxing. Thank you, Barry. Pleasure. So that was my chat with Barry Tompkins. What a delight. And, you know, Trip, it's like when we get together, the, the conversation just flows out of us because we have so many shared experiences that were fun. Well, the, the highlight was the fact that he's in a Jewish Hall of Fame, but his Irish Catholic wife knows more about Judaism. Yes, right. I, I can, as does my uh, Italian Catholic wife know more okay. about Judaism than I do. So we're, we're in the same boat when it comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> but and I just was recently inducted into the Jewish Hall of Fame. Uh, so... Um, Let's not, maybe I should let them watch this broadcast because, or this uh, podcast, because then I'll get booted out, you know, possibly. Every time that you, you, you talk to people about the old top rank days, I am so jealous. And they sound like just so much fun. Would you say of your whole 40 year career, that was the most concentrated amount of fun you had? Yeah, when it comes to absolute fun, that was it. And of course, mixed in during that period, were these big pay-per-views that I was privileged to get to do, you know, featuring the Four Kings, Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, Duran, plus other pay-per-views uh, in, in Las Vegas, primarily, where it was a party for, you know, a whole weekend. So in addition to the top-ranked shows, which were fun for different reasons, because you would go into these towns sometimes, small towns, that were not uh, boxing havens uh, or meccas and you were like the circus coming to town so it was you know you were greeted as such and uh and it was it was astonishing so yeah we had a lot of fun doing that for sure well speaking of that our first question and and boy our your um, your friends are coming up with great questions and this is some sofa king nice what would you say was the most electrifying night and or fight from the top rank series. Yeah, that one would be, uh, I think, with uh, Johnny Tapia. We had uh, Johnny Tapia fighting uh, on uh, on our card and fighting for the WBO uh, championship. I think it was a Bantamweight championship. And Johnny had, at that point, spent several years of his life literally on the street you know he had major drug problems he had had we covered the beginning of his career before he had this hiatus and he he had terrible terrible problems on the street doing drugs uh and his marriage was in tatters and life was just almost impossible for him somehow he came back to the sport of boxing and he'd had a, two or three fights before this several fights actually before he got this championship opportunity the is the only time there's only two times in my career i can say this about a fighter he came back a better fighter than when he left three years ago and then abused himself completely the only other fighter i can say that about is tyson fury who had similar kinds of problems 
as Johnny Tapia. So Johnny Tapia comes back and, um, and he's fighting Henry Martinez uh, in, uh, in a championship uh, match uh, at October 12th of 1994. And the, uh, the Albuquerque Arena, where he's from, is filled with people because they, they want to see if this Johnny Tapia comeback story can come full circle. And it was a scintillating, exciting fight. And Johnny Tapia uh, ultimately knocked out Martinez. And I said simply, Johnny Tapia is all the way back. And it was an electrifying evening. And to this day remains one of the most exciting moments that I've ever had announcing boxing. And it was certainly the most exciting moment of uh, the Top Rank series for me. And you made an interesting point that sometimes fighters can come back after having been at the lowest of the lows. Do you think it's because they appreciate the sport more that second time around and, and love the gift? It could be. Um, the other times, though, they don't have the, the – it's taken its toll on them, and they aren't as good physically or they aren't as, as good. And in Tapia and uh, Fury's case, it's the only time I ever saw anybody come back, and they were, you know, uh, exponentially better than they were – before they left. And that was what Johnny Tapia did. Fantastic. Next question. Um, what is the state of U.S. amateur program, boxing program, and we will we reestablish ourselves in the Olympics, or is the Olympic judging and scoring system just too much of a problem? Well, I did, along with Raul Marquez, I announced uh, the, uh, the streaming broadcast of the Olympic boxing trials for the team that will go this year to the, uh, or will not this year, but will go to the next Olympics. Uh, and uh, there were a lot of talented fighters there, boxers, I should say, they don't call them fighters. Uh, they're boxers in the amateur ranks. And, um, and some of them surely will have a chance to medal uh, at the Olympic games. The days of the United States being the, uh, you know, being a, a dominant power in amateur boxing have kind of waned obviously in recent Olympic games. And I don't know if that's ever coming back. I don't know if it's going to come back right away. I don't know if it will come back. Uh, I think we can look forward hopefully to years when perhaps the medal count gets higher than it, than it has been recently. But here's the good news. The good news is when it comes to the worth of amateur boxing, Olympic medals actually mean nothing. <laughs> Let me underscore that again. When it comes to the, how, the good that amateur boxing does in America, Olympic medals mean nothing. And I will explain. The amateur boxing program is designed to save lives, to, to enhance lives for young men and women. And I see it do that every single day all around the United States. When I went to the trials and announced those fights, I talked to all these coaches and you see them bring these young men from various parts of the U.S. and you feel the bond and you talk to all the fighters and you find out from them uh, what those boxers had to go through and how this impacted their life. I'm writing, I, I just finished a book with Eddie Mustafa Muhammad uh, talking about his story of how he conquered uh, his environment in Brownsville, Brooklyn, uh, back in the uh, uh, 
in the in the seventies uh, to to become a world champion and and to 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 make sure his life went in the right direction. He had to face you know difficulty in that neighborhood and in the with the issues that they had. And I see it all the time. I talk to I do work for USA Amateur Boxing. I host events for them. I am a part of their family and. That's the most important thing that amateur boxing does. It's not as sexy as an Olympic gold medal, but I assure you the long lasting effect it has on our society is much bigger than being able to say we won Olympic medal. Now, the place that the Olympic medals have is that that helps with fundraising and that helps with awareness of amateur boxing. But again, I, I, I've said this on many occasions, whether we win an Olympic medal or don't, is not should not be how people judge our amateur boxing program and that that's so well said and i remember uh, up here in salt lake we would be privileged to do the police athletic league championship every year and you and i had done a big fight in vegas and two weeks later i was with 40 kids from eight years up having so much fun doing it yeah and that's and that is really the key to what amateur boxing is about and uh, and all those kids are getting the benefit of doing something that where they're channeling their energy in a in a positive way. That's fantastic. And our final question comes from a longtime fan, Lucky Punch. What was the first match you called? I've been watching you for a long time, sir. One of my favorite commentators is you. And was it the the one night where you teamed up with Lampley? And I might know the answer to this. Oh, he said, I think he said he got a kick out of when Lampley and I yeah. got together. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get new glasses for next week. <laughs> I'm going to get new glasses for next week. <laughs> yeah. You, bifocals. I think you need bifocals. So. Okay. But here's the thing that, uh, that is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I do remember the first fight that I, that I did. And I, I've always remembered it. You know, it's, you forget things, right? It, it, some things pass through your mind and you don't remember for some reason I have always remembered that it was in 1980 I believe it was May of 1980 it was the first show I had done on top rank and and interestingly I kind of was called into the show I'd done an interview on the the show the week before I was helping them with their shows in Chicago when ESPN came there and working with them to know the Chicago fighters and uh, I'd been interviewed on the show as a person that had written a boxing book and was covering boxing uh, but I didn't know I was going to get this opportunity. And I did in mid-show, they brought me in. And I did the main event. Also, uh, it was Jamie Olatunde against uh, David Bradley. Two Chicago fighters. Very good fight. Bradley was like a boxer puncher, and Olatunde was more of a rough uh, brawler. And Olatunde won in an eight-round uh, knockout. And... I remember, I can remember to this day, my feelings when I did that. While I was doing it, I said, okay, this is something I would like to do. Uh, I, I want this to be um, my path moving forward. I knew I wanted to be a sportscaster in any case, but, uh, and I was just, in, I had done some sportscasting uh, before that in, in different ways with other sports, but th I sat down and I said, this, this is going to work. Uh, now the, the, um, the reference he made to uh, when I worked with Jim Lampley, of course, that was the Pacquiao Mayweather fight uh, on a slightly different level than the David Bradley, <laughs> Jamie Olatunde fight at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. Uh, and, um, and that was, that is a, 
I'm going to have to do a flashback of my, of, of, my, of that one as a complete standalone uh, situation because it was pretty extraordinary. It was Showtime and, and, and HBO getting together because Showtime had uh, Mayweather as their fighter who was fighting on their network and Pacquiao was with uh, HBO. And it was like, you know, uh, the melding of two countries that were trying to, you know, form a peace pact. And, uh, and it was a, a, a crazy, crazy week, but we did end up doing the broadcast. They mixed the broadcast teams. Uh, Jim Lampley and Roy Jones Jr. and I did the, uh, the call of the fight. And up at the booth, I think, and then Jim Gray was the, did the interviews from Showtime, and they mixed and mingled uh, uh, our our colleagues up at the uh, the uh, host desk, and it was quite the um, quite the week as we tried to meld these two organizations. We did do it. We got on the air and off the air, and that's the that's how you judge uh, you know a broadcast. So, so if if was this the equivalent of North Korea South Korea getting together on a peace talk? I think that would be the perfect analogy. Yeah. Uh, and who was, it, it was South Korea? It was pretty much, it was pretty much along those lines. And, uh, and it was intriguing, but it, you know, it worked out fine. Nobody, no, there was no bloodletting. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, nobody was injured. So that was, <laughs> well, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. I think fans speaking to his point, fans got a kick of, out of the mixing of the two. And by the way, I kind of buried the lead on this. Ironically, while Jim Lampley and I knew each other, you know, over the years, I had sat with, I, when he was hosting the Olympics, uh, I came over and several times and we shared the uh, studio, the host desk, because I was talking about boxing uh, when I was doing the Olympic boxing. And I'd been in a couple movies with Lampley where we had scenes together, but we had never announced a boxing match together, which is interesting given how many partners I have had, um, you know, in the, uh, in the boxing world. I mean, I, I think we officially counted at one point and I just barely surpassed the amount of partners Madonna had in life <laughs> as boxing announcers, which I thought was quite an achievement. Um, you so just barely uh, beat her. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was, that was that. Um, so anyway, I, I, uh, we have had a fun show here. Um, so much fun that I'm knocking my camera around. Uh, that's how much fun I'm having. And uh, um, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we've got lots more stuff coming up next week for you. Not only a fun guest, but a lot more questions. We want you to send us your questions uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Al Bernstein. And uh, send us a question and put hashtag unplugged on it. And, uh, and we, will, um, we will endeavor to answer uh, all those questions. So my thanks to Trip. My thanks to Barry Tompkins for visiting with us. Uh, on this show. It was a delight to talk to him. Thanks to Lee for doing his fine job of producing, and we'll see you next time.